This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. and getting it passed, the founding mother of the entire movement, if you ask me. Now, there's a lot of people, but my personal experience goes back many years, and I think you started it all, Christine. Thank you. You did it out of your own personal experience. I did. I did. Um, Being a brain tumor patient who had been bedridden and housebound for 16 years, Using cannabis changed my life. It mitigated my symptoms. I became more active. But more than that, my daughter, my father is a narcotics officer. So I had to kind of battle those two things, and I knew the best thing to change hearts and mind was change policy. How do we get to a culture and a society where there is a big green light for opioids, and sometimes we're finding one bottle of opioids Mm-hmm. can be the entry door to a life of misery. Yeah. And yet, we have the full force of the federal government and state law against the weed. What? What's wrong? Well, it was all political in 1937 when it, Prohibition started. And that was driven by a desire for there to be a new boogeyman, a new substance that they could go after. And that's when Henry Anslinger came on the scene. As soon as alcohol prohibition ended, cannabis became the new boogeyman. And it was very racially motivated. It, it, we have a long, dark history as to why cannabis became prohibitive. But it was in our pharmacopoeia. It was in our medicine cabinets. We were using it for years before it became this demonized botanical. But now, patients like myself and others for the past 20 years since California became legal have been pushing the narrative to something more positive, what this plant always was. The demonized botanical. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the demonized botanical. All right, uh, and let's get into the history and we'll get into the initiative and how that worked out and the treachery. Oh. The treachery of the state establishment and a lot of the allies, supposed allies that I think sold out to patients, but we'll hold yeah. that for a minute. Recently, the Rocky Anderson and your lawsuit have got to a federal judge. It it got kicked to the federal courts. Yep. Um, Where? Well, it was. It started in the state courts? Yes, it started in the state courts. Um, I got a phone call from Rocky letting me know that it has been moved up to the federal courts. Well, from my understanding, um, Walter Mason, his his um, partner on this suit, he told me that it was at the request of the AG. So I'm interested in finding out 
if he, in fact, sees that there is something that the federal government has to make a, a, a ruling on, which that is absolutely the case. And this is why you and I were talking a moment ago how this lawsuit are, is is the reason the reason why this lawsuit is in play is because we don't have true access. We have a law that is passed that is bumping against preemption, which is meaning the state that that state is breaking federal law way beyond what they have deemed okay for medical use. So in a lot of our um, states, we have medical cannabis programs in play as long as they don't bump up against the federal law. Right now, Schedule 1 substance is medical cannabis. Excuse me. Medical cannabis is a Schedule 1 substance. And schedule 1 is narcotics. It's as deep and dark right. group of drugs as we have. Right, Aspen supposedly. No. Well, just, and cocaine is a schedule too. Just to give you, and both are still illegal. What else is but there's um, LSD, psilocybins. I mean, there's a lot of things that are up there that are scheduled it's one. As bad as you can get, schedule one. Supposedly, right. They say that there is no medicinal properties for medical cannabis, for cannabis, and that's why it's in a schedule one. Let's go back to the lawsuit for a minute. Sure. If I'm Sean Reyes, who's never been known for having a political bone that he didn't consider everything with, Mm -hmm. I don't want to bring a case before the Utah Supreme Court where the people have voted in the mm -hmm. affirmative. I want right. this to go out of state. I want this in federal. I want this in la-la land uh, sure. where there's a whole bunch of appellate ways and steps and where it will never be decided. I don't want to go before the seven members of the Utah Supreme Court and have them weighing the people of the state have spoken. So I want it out of state court. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a, from my perspective, and Rocky's the smarter guy as there is, so um, it's too bad that this didn't get to the, the Utah Supreme Court with right. Rocky fighting it there. And make, put the squeeze on that Utah Supreme Court to say, you know what? Now, people don't really matter. Right. It's and, and that is a concern, I think, for Rocky. He was not exactly thrilled that it was bumping up to the federal courts. He would have liked to have seen it work its way through our system. Um, but this is where we're at, and I think it's important for people to start making some noise about it. Will people, will people ever, will Utahns ever have the ability to actually take medicinal cannabis legally or is this just like a little folly that the legislature has given to us that 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 is almost an impossible road and they knew that when they changed the what the voters passed. let me help your listeners a little bit and help explain where we are stuck right now the way that hb 3001 is written the compromise bill the way it was written it is giving the state the ability to grow process and distribute okay. and collect funds well, there are ability for some private entities to buy into this, and we can go back to the licensing that you and I were talking about. But the state is now becoming a drug cartel. And again, this is a Schedule One substance. It's illegal. So this is where preemption is coming into play. You're going to have state employees hired by the state bumping up and breaking federal law by becoming drug dealers. Now, we just heard Gary Herbert 
chiding the federal government for not moving on the banking issue on the federal level or doing more for medical cannabis. Why is that? Because they can't implement their law here in Utah the way it's written because it's federally illegal for them to become a drug cartel. It's a Schedule One substance. So the state will control growing it, processing... And dispensing. And they are giving themselves the right to to license that out to people. But they will be controlling that. That's going to be like DABC. Exactly. Worse. worse because it's a Schedule One substance and federally illegal. So they're telling their state employees, you have to break federal law and become our drug dealers. And then they set up this whole financial system too, right? Where they, yeah. you're supposed to go register, you get this card, then you got to go to a... It's like a health department somewhere and pick it up. That's where the dispensing. In these, in these big areas yep. and then you get to go. I mean, if you were sitting down, I was there, ladies and gentlemen. If you were sitting down going, how can we screw something up? How can we make a bureaucracy that would make uh, Washington, D.C. smile? How could we make the <laughs> Pentagon look simple? That's what our legislature did. Exactly. It's cumbersome. It's astonishing. And it leads to one thing, which is there ain't going to be no help. For the patients. There isn't. And the sad thing is, as we see these departments, the health department, the agriculture department, they are going through the processes. They're trying to make and write rules for this chaos. And they are really bumping up against real serious issues. I mean, they took what the people wanted, which is simple. Patients could get it. Doctors could write recommendations, prescriptions. And boom, there it is. Yeah. They took that away and they set this thing up to get the Department of Health in, the Department of Agriculture. Every single marijuana plant gets numbered and entered into a computer and laser beamed and whatever and is tracked to this distribution process and this dispensing process. I mean, it flies in the face of everything these guys say. They're for small government, government by the people. They've set it up. But I think all along, they're mm -hmm. laughing their butts off in their closed caucuses because they yeah. knew it would never, ever work. And what they really wanted all along was... It was delayed implementation. To kill the whole thing. Exactly. They wanted this to happen. And yeah. now it's, it's working because they mm -hmm. can smile and say... It's the federal government's fault, like Herbert just said. And it's we, not ours. And we, we heard the voice of the people. You know, we, we're there. We mm -hmm. did it. We just changed a few little things to, to make it happen. Yeah. They had a dagger and stabbed it in the heart, and they were never going to let this happen. Right. That's, what exa that's exactly what happened, and it's really, really frustrating. So, so things are going along, and all of a sudden... Um, there was a very difficult situation um, where your allies, the people who'd helped you along, yeah. sat down and said, you know what, we're going to take this deal. You said mm -hmm. no. You're the only one who stood up. Yeah. Is it well, clear to them now they made a mistake or are they standing by, no, we needed to do this? I haven't spoken to them, um, but I would say that they're pretty convinced that what they did was right. And it went way back further than that. I had sat down with the with Marty Stevens. I sat down with the church, and when they told us that they Marty wanted, Stevens is our chief lobbyist for the LDS Church. Correct. And um, when our yes, yes, make sure you get that all in there. Epilepsy Association of Utah, Doug Rice, president, and I 
and a couple of other members sat down with Marty. And when we sat down with him, he discussed wanting to kill Prop 2. He wanted to have a coalition come together and say it wasn't necessary. He orchestrated that in June of last year. When I took that information to my allies, we had all decided at that point in time we weren't going to be part of a compromise. There was no way to stop the initiative from happening. We had already certified it was hitting the ballot. So when I got word that September that my allies had just jumped ship and decided to be part of a negotiation talks, I was floored and truly deeply wounded by the betrayal. Because it wasn't just, hey, we're thinking about having this conversation and we want to know what you think. I was presented with legislation that had been drafted. It was just a draft, but they had proceeded that far down the road with, in my eyes, the movement away from us. We are the patients, we're the ones that rose to the occasion to raise an awareness in this state, and we were the last ones to the table. It's despicable. It is. I, I think part of the problem was you have to look at this from the 50,000-foot level. And a lot of your allies have other issues. They do. And they are lobbying for other things, and they're up there not just this year, but next year and the year after. And when this power center of the legislature, the president of the Senate, the governor, the speaker of the house, the lobbyists of the LDS church, it's as powerful a group as you can have. And when they get you in a room, Christina's standing up and saying, bullshit, I am standing up for my patients. But your allies are thinking, wow, I'm going to have other years, I'm going to have other bills, I'm going to have other causes, I'm going to have other things, I'm going to be the hero of the people that decide everything in the state. It's very, very hard to stand up to that united crowd that is going to have a say on your career and your income for the next generation. Mm -hmm. It's true, it's true. Um, but in the same breath... It's very hard to stand there as a sick patient, because I am still a patient. I am still a brain tumor patient. And stand against the powers of this state, not just the financial powers, the Gail Millers and those who help fund the opposition to Prop 2, but the government itself, Gary Herbert, the whole legislative body, and then the morality police. It's a really hard thing to stand against all those powers and say, no, this is wrong. It absolutely is wrong. And I'm going to stand here and tell you this is the line. And until you meet us here, you have failed us. After then, they had the audacity to call this the compromise bill. Yeah. It was a compromise with this component that was plugged into the government and who sold out the patients. And the proof is in the pudding. The pudding is now yeah. not one prescription or recommendation or whatever they're called has been written. And why is it written? Because physicians and those medical practitioners who allow are afraid of the compromise bill. They should be. They're afraid they're going to go to jail. Yeah. So this whole thing was fixed. Yeah. It was geared up. They thought maybe they could beat the initiative, but if they couldn't, they said, regardless, we're going to have this bill. Mm-hmm. 
and there was no compromise at all. It was a sellout to the patients who to this day don't have it. What's even more concerning for me during that process last year, there was Amendment C that came up on the ballot that quietly got passed and nobody really paid attention. And it gave the legislative body the ability to call themselves into special session anytime they want. This is very concerning for every single voting Utahan because that means no matter if I try to do another ballot initiative, as soon as it qualifies, the legislative body can call themselves into sessions and create any law they want to screw with any people's initiative. That means the people of Utah have now become subjected to whatever the legislative body wants. And who controls the legislative body? I contend that there's one dominant faith in this state that does. So with that, I went to Rocky and begged him to do this lawsuit. Okay, so we we have a hero, as far as I'm concerned, you. We got a hero, Rocky. We have a single remedy, the court system. We don't Sean Reyes, who's part of that whole establishment, you know, the fact that he wanted this thing shoved up to the federal government, I don't know how it's I, I mean I I don't I wish it would have stayed in state court, but Rocky probably has to like the dragon that presents itself. Exactly. You can give money to help with that lawsuit do it. Christine, you were one of the three people of the year on my um, on my list of heroes. I mean, what you did, what you stood for, I'll tell you, to sit and watch in a legislative meeting or anywhere, to watch the people with epilepsy, to watch people who are suffering, and then to watch the two-faced dastardliness of the establishment in our state pretend with a pious voice that they really want to help the patients and then sabotage completely and, in my opinion, forever with this stifling, horrendous bureaucracy, $100,000 to get a license to grow weed in the state. Yeah. We're talking about prescription prices that we don't know, but they're going to mm -hmm. be sky high. We're talking about difficulty of availability. Yep. We're talking about distribution centers uh, as a part of the health department and a payment system that makes Rube Goldberg look like um, something simple. It was all designed to fail so that they could all say, yeah, we're, we're so Oh, we feel so bad. And, yeah. You know, we've done our part. Bull. Mm -hmm. You have my ass respect, my admiration. How can people get a hold of you, the organization, and uh, contribute to the lawsuit? You can find us on social media at Truce Utah on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Our website is truceutah.org. Um, donate through there. We also have a GoFundMe. If just Every voter paid just five dollars towards our GoFundMe. We had a half a million people plus that voted in favor of Prop Two. Was it a close vote? Well, fifty-three percent. No, that's not close in elections. No. People have spoken. The other thing you can do: vote against the Democrats, vote against the Republicans, who decided that paternalistically they really know better than the voters. Just wipe them out. Yep. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure having you, Christine, and uh, we'll stand by and, and uh, watch what happens. Meanwhile, 
truceutah.org. Yes, sir. And Thank you so much. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.